All right, buddy, let's kick it over to our interview. Outstanding stuff here. Pat Smith, one of our favorites over there. WJOX3, man front. Great conversation. All right, well, we're pleased to be joined by one of our favorites there, Pat Smith. Of course, you know him, co-host of Three Man Front down there in Jocks. Everybody knows the name Jocks. That's an SEC football fanatic, and he's also uh, the, the co-founder of the Paul Fine Bob Show. Pat, thank you so much. Paul Fine Paul, Paul who? Who was that? <laughs> yeah, just a guy. I think that's another day. Most most. I think you're, I think you're familiar know. with him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think you're familiar with him. Yeah. So, Pat, we haven't seen you since uh, Media Days. It's it's an honor to have you back on the show. Thank you so much. No, no, the ple- the pleasure is all mine. And I, I, what in the world could you want to talk about? What is going <laughs> on, right, with the Alabama Crimson Tide? So, no, I appreciate the invite. Yeah, I, and, uh, you know, you're as plugged in as anybody down there, so I, I knew I had to talk to you. And speaking of Feinbaum, I've heard him reference it. I think everybody by now knows who Josh Pate is. I've heard him reference it, so I wanted to go directly to you, Pat, and, and just share what you have heard. Because, like I said, I've, I've heard multiple people hear this, and I don't know, so that's why I'm asking you. Was there any kind of revolt? I don't know if that's the right word. Did players kind of quit during that South Florida game? It, what, what's your read on, on what happened there in that just ugly, ugly win last weekend? Well, it, it was ugly. To, to say the very least, uh, one of the worst ones that we've seen since Nick Saban has been at the University of Alabama. But to answer your question with a very short answer, no, there wasn't a revolt. The bottom line is, is that this offense is still trying to figure itself out. Tommy Reese is trying to get its sea legs, so to speak, in regards to what they're going to do. I've talked to a lot of people because there have been a lot of rumors flying around about Jalen Milrow. Was he suspended is that why you didn't see him for the game of course he was on the sideline cheering his teammates on I truly believe Mike what happened in that football game is they're still trying to figure some stuff out but if you look at their schedule and before you got into SEC play this really was the last opportunity for them to try to see what they had with Buckner and with Ty Simpson and lo and behold they didn't think that they were going to be in a dogfight with South Florida the offensive line didn't play well at all. They got no momentum going from the quarterback play. It came a flood. The field was a mess. There was a lot of, you know, extenuating circumstances that took place in the game. But as far as any type of player revolt, now the players did have a player-only meeting on Sunday afternoon, but that's because they don't believe that they're playing up to the standard that many people around the Alabama football program believe that they're playing at right now. So to answer your question, revolt, no is everybody a little bit irritated about the way that they have performed? Yes. A lot of people looking in the mirror trying to figure out where they go from here. But from a quarterbacking situation on Saturday, they firmly believe that that was going to be their last opportunity to see who was going to be that backup to Jalen Milrow. And I think they got their answer based on how poorly Buckner played. So is it safe to assume that, I mean, they're just all aboard now with Jalen Milrow moving forward and, uh, you know, how paramount is it that Tommy Reese makes some adjustments to to play to the strengths of Jalen Monroe, something I think he he struggled mightily to do in, in that Texas game? No doubt. Um, it's very important. I mean, not only is it the first SEC game, but it's the first game being at home since after the Texas debacle. And that's exactly what it was. You were ahead in the fourth quarter, but for whatever reason, you couldn't add on points. Defense didn't play well. You saw what happened. It's very important to... You know, Tommy Reese was hired because he is this 
great new mind in college football from an offensive standpoint. And unfortunately for Alabama fans, they haven't seen that the first few weeks. I mean, Booger McFarlane is, is ripping the guy a new one on the broadcast uh, on ABC on Saturday. And a lot of fans feel the exact same way. I mean, they, I think they would take Bill O'Brien back this week on my radio show. I mean, yes, that's what you're hearing. I'll bring back Bill O'Brien. I mean, you know, Belichick's going to get rid of him, bring him back to Tuscaloosa. So it's just funny how this works out, but you've got to see, I think Bama fans want to see, they understand it's not Bryce Young. They understand that you don't have Devontae Smith or Mechie or or Williams. They know that they don't have that. But they got to see some downfield operation. They got to see him make some better choices. And they believe Reese has not put them in the best possible situation to be successful. And so it is vitally important on Saturday, especially against Lane Kiffin and Pete Golding, that they do that. Now, you hit on an important part there, uh, Pat, because this is why I kind of started the whole decaying dynasty type deal where where are these playmakers? Because it's not like they're you know, they're, they're adding five stars uh, at receivers and, and running back. And maybe that's part of the equation. It shouldn't all be on Jayla Milrow. Maybe it's not all, all on Tommy Reese. But where are all these playmakers? Because the last several years, seems like the only time Alabama has one is when they bring one in via transfer. Where it, There seems to be a massive, massive issue in either uh, d- developing or identifying players that can come in here and contribute where, where are the playmakers for Alabama? That is the million-dollar question. Don't mean to throw out an NIL idea <laughs> of a million-dollar wide receiver. But uh, it basically comes down, in my opinion, to development. They've had no problems getting these four and five stars to Tuscaloosa, as you've just mentioned. But for whatever reason, they get them on campus. And over the course of the last two to three years, they have not been developed to the level that you saw the Devontae Smith the Jerry Judys of the world or the Waddles. Just you, you don't see that. You have a lot of talent down there. And I think that's why it's so perplexing to a lot of people around the program. Why is this guy not taking that next step up? And I think that also now goes to the position coaches. You know, why are you continuing to not have those guys being developed? And I think you have to have a hard look at that coaching staff and what they need to do to try to get these guys in that ability to be the next go-to guy. Because as you see the recruiting rankings, Mike, all the time, just like it's not like Alabama's 25th in recruiting. I mean, they're bringing in some top talent at that position. But for whatever reason, the last two or three years, they're not being developed. And at this point in time, you have to say that is on the coaching for not being able to take those guys to the next level. Mm-hmm. And how surprised are you by the struggles from the offensive line? I know your your colleague down there at Jocks, Cole Kublik. Mm-hmm. I I lean on him when it comes to this sure, stuff. We all do. I, I'm not qualified to to break down offensive line to to his level, and and you know I, again we don't need to bury him, but he he led many people, and not just him, but many people uh, touted this offensive line, and it, it's not been there. And you know I w- when they hired Eric Wolford from Kentucky, I heard. Kentucky was happy to, that he was gone. Now, mm. you take it with a grain of salt because of, that's something I hear a lot when someone leaves. And, and this wasn't just fans. This was coming from within that building. Uh, do we have an issue, do you think, at, at offensive line coach? And, and back to my original question, how surprised are you that they're struggling to this degree? Struggling to this degree, we're, we're all extremely shocked by it. And the reason why is because before fall camp got started, 
you heard Nick Saban multiple times bring up, you know, hey, guys, we, we have seven or eight guys that we believe can compete on that offensive line. And so everyone's thinking, okay, it's about to be back to joyless murder ball. That's what we kept hearing. It's going to be bully ball. Alabama's going to line up two tight end sets. They're going to run it down your throat. They're going to control the clock. So you don't have to have Bryce Young at quarterback. You don't have to have Jalen Milrow throw for 350 yards a game. You line up with the running back core that they have. The running back room is one of the most talented in the SEC. You put them behind the biggest offensive line in all of college football, bigger than a lot of NFL offensive lines. They're going to be able to play smash mouth football. They're going to be able to put a hat on hat, and they're going to push you around, and it's bully ball. We have not seen that. We didn't see it in the Middle Tennessee State game. Texas had more talent on the field than Alabama did. We certainly didn't see it against South Florida. My goodness, tied 3-3, and you're trying to run the ball. You're not dominating in the trenches at all. So you have to go back, just like we talked about wide receiver, Mike. You have to raise a question about the way that they're coaching because you're starting a freshman at left tackle who was you know, supposed to come in here and be the next first-rounder from the offensive line, and he's given up week after week, multiple sacks. Bama gives up five sacks to South Florida last week in Tampa. It's concerning, very concerning. An Alabama team has never given up as many sacks as they have over the course of the first three games of the season. So they're looking at everything down there. And when I say everything, I know Lane Kiffin brought up the whole who's calling the defensive signals. Is it you know, is it Kevin Steele? Is it T-Rob? Like, what is going on? I think Nick Saban is taking a hard look, and it's tough to do in the middle of a season. But I think that there is a process going on. We like to use that word down here, process. It's what Nick uses all the time, of evaluating everything, because you have to right now, because this team – it's one thing losing to Texas. It's another thing when you go on the road and play one of the worst FBS teams over the course of the last five years and you put forth the effort that you did. Defense was lights out. But offensively speaking, one of the worst performances we've seen Alabama offensively-wise since Nick Saban has been in Tuscaloosa since 2007. Right. Well, I'm glad you referenced uh, – I had to ask you about Kiffin and his comments with Kevin Steele and everything, and uh, I have it, Pat, from multiple people that this is – that was a planted question that Kiffin wanted asked so he could give that response. Now, again, that's not to, to bury the person that asked the question. I don't really care about that. I, the point being is Kiffin wanted this out there to start this week, big week for, for him and his program, and now he knew that was something that Nick Saban was going to have to deal with all week – uh, what, what, what's your thoughts on that, this whole debacle here? Um, I will tell you this, uh, covering Lane Kiffin when he was in Tuscaloosa, who was one of the best offensive coordinators. I still believe Sarkeesian, by the way, was a better offensive coordinator. And I think he proved that against Alabama and Bryant Denny stadium. I think he was a better offensive coordinator at Bama than Lane Kiffin was. But I think Lane Kiffin was sitting on the back porch with his dog juice. And he knew at 12 noon on Monday, that Nick Saban was going to get riled up and that he was going to have to address what Lane Kiffin dropped just happenstance on a Sunday night that, oh, yeah, doesn't look like Kevin Steele is calling plays anymore. And knowing that Kevin Steele and Nick Saban are cut from the same cloth and they've been coaching together numerous times throughout their career, that Nick Saban was probably going to take the bait, and he did. He got trolled. He took the bait. He talked about it, and I could just see Lane Kiffin sitting on his back veranda before he gave his Monday afternoon press conference, and he's patting juice on the head, and he's saying, 
I got him, didn't I, boy? I got him, <laughs> didn't I? Yeah, this is great. And he's just sitting there just like twiddling his thumbs going, this worked perfectly. Because then Kiffin can come out at his press conference and said, well, you know, I wasn't trying to raise any questions or anything, you know. No, 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 no. We all know over here in Alabama that he would walk on broken glass to get the Alabama job the moment Nick Saban decides that he wants to retire. I don't think he's going to get the job at Alabama, but he wants the job. So anyway, it's not surprising that he did that. I've talked to a lot of people in Tuscaloosa. There's no indication that there has been a change at the defensive coordinator position. Obviously, the rainstorm and everything that took place there in the stadium, there was some communication issues. And, you know, T-Rob was doing what he was doing on the sideline because Kevin Stills up top in the booth. So it's just Lane being Lane. Remember, he loves to tell everybody to get the popcorn out. And that's just what we're used to over here when it comes to Lane Kiffin. Do you think Kiffin will have some uh, some tough questions to, to answer with that fan base though if it, after this you know the trolling and talking a big game and they lay an egg on Saturday and Alabama you know hypothetically beats Ole Miss once again uh I mean I I, I can't imagine this is this this stick is going to go over well if, if he just keeps losing in these big games well I think you're absolutely right Mike and and the other thing to always keep in mind is that so last year when there was this flirtation with Auburn that the Ole Miss people I mean, they stepped up big time. They stepped up big time in NIL. They stepped up by a commitment that you have never seen from an Ole Miss coach, including the one that went to a Final Four that they just hired. Um, the level of the monetary investment that they have in that program now is unheard of for a guy and for a program that has never been to an SEC championship game. So, you know, at some point, he is going to have to start winning these type games you and I both know in this conference, it is great, whether it's Shane Beamer putting out Soldier Boy videos or Lane Kiffin tweeting out Taylor Swift videos. Man, that's fantastic. I love it. In the sports talk business, I love it. I welcome it. But when you don't win games and you don't win championships, that fan base is going to go, you know what? This isn't as cute as I thought it was because at the end of the day, when they're writing those checks for NIL and for Lane Kiffin to stay in Oxford, they want to see a competitive team not just someone that wins the Egg Bowl, but they want to see somebody that can knock on the door to Atlanta and knock on the door for the college football playoffs. So this is a big step for him this weekend. And if he doesn't win against probably, let's just be honest, probably one of the weaker Alabama teams that you've seen in a very long time in Tuscaloosa, the question is, when's he ever going to win? So I think that's yeah. the question that Ole Miss fans will have to answer if they don't get a win on Saturday. Yeah, so clearly a lot of pressure on Kiffin, but I think a ton of pressure on Alabama too. Would you mm -hmm. agree with this, Pat, that if they lose this game, because I, I think they got much more difficult games remaining, uh, I think the wheels could come off here. Is, it, is that fair, or, or am I jumping the gun a little bit? No, I don't think you're jumping the gun at all, Mike, because the, the way that these rosters are put together now and because of all the options that certain players have and until you get to next year where you have an expanded playoff, let's just be honest, if, if you lose two games, you're out of the college football playoff. No team has ever been awarded a spot in the CFP with two losses, so it's not going to happen. Then at that juncture, you've got a loss in the SEC. Then you've got much more tougher opponents coming up on the road, whether it's Texas A&M. got to go to Auburn. Don't forget you got Tennessee and you got LSU at home. So this schedule is a very tough one. And if you can't get this one at home against Ole Miss, 
then yeah, this one could be one that we have not seen since 2007 in regards to this Alabama football team. It, it starts becoming much more difficult to find wins on that schedule. And then you just don't know the psyche or the mentality of the kids on this roster moving forward. If you're not playing for an sec West or a chance to go to the CFP. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not putting this out till Thursday, Pat, have you made a a prediction for the game? Uh, Ole Miss at Alabama. Who do you you think wins? I think this is going to be a, a low thirties type game. I think Bama squeaks it out, final 33-31. Okay. Oh, scoring everything. I like it. So uh, I, I did want to ask you real quickly here about uh, Auburn, too, going to Texas A&M. That, that's a big big game, obviously, undefeated Auburn, but they've not yet been tested. What's your confidence level that they can go on the road and compete with Texas A&M this weekend? Uh, it's very low. And, and the reason why is because – Hugh Freeze has done a tremendous job rebuilding this roster. He has mended the bridges, the fences with all the high schools that Brian Harson torched because he didn't have a relationship with. He's brought in 40 guys that he's tried to manage with this roster. The problem with Auburn is they're still trying to find their way offensively. Yes, this is a step in the right direction from an SEC roster. But when you look at Texas's roster and then you look at what's coming up with Georgia's roster and what's coming up with LSU's roster, the next few weeks could be very painful for Auburn fans. But they also understand that this is part of taking the medicine to be able to next year to be able to potentially compete for a maybe a CFP or get to an SEC championship game. I think it's going to be rough. I think it's going to be tough to go to College Station this week the way that Bobby Petrino and that offense has been clicking. Auburn's still trying to find its way offensively, but more than anything, Auburn has got a lot of injuries on that football team right now. And so I'm just really not sure if they've got enough Jimmys and Joes as of right now for this weekend to compete at the level that they think that they should be able to compete at. It could be a rough next couple of weeks, Mike, but this Auburn program is definitely trending in the right direction. Now, I agree with everything you just said. That's a very sensible take, but sensible and Jimbo and A&M do not belong in the same sentence. So if I know you've been all over them. <laughs> I know you have been. And listen, the, the Bobby Petrino thing here in the state of Alabama, with Bobby Petrino trying to stab Tommy Tuberville in the back to get the job mm-hmm. with Jet Gate when he was at Louisville, trust me, all that stuff. Um, but you do have to give them at least credit. I know the schedule might not be murderer's row when it comes to college football, but at least from an offensive standpoint, they've at least put up I believe I read the most points in three games. It took them seven games last year to get to the point total that they're currently at. So yeah. um, Auburn is a little concerned about that. I'm just saying, if they, if they lose, someone someone's getting fired. Or, or Jibbo may already be on the hottest seat in the country. It's it's going to be scorching hot if he loses to this Auburn team at home this weekend. That's that's those are my words, not yours. <laughs> well, I, I I will say this. And, and, and not – we've talked to a lot of people around that Auburn program, and even Hugh Freeze kind of hinted about it earlier this week. Most Auburn people do not believe that they can go down there with this rendition of an Auburn football team and beat Texas A&M. If they do walk out of there with a win, I subscribe to what you're saying because it's one thing going to Miami and losing to a, a good Miami Hurricanes team but it's another thing in your own backyard to get beat by an Auburn team whose roster is just put together with as many transfer portal guys as you could possibly find in a quarterback situation 
that if Alabama wasn't having all the quarterback problems in Tuscaloosa, the Auburn quarterback issue would be the bigger story. But unfortunately, you know, right now, especially in this state, it's it's about Alabama not playing to the standard that we're used to seeing. Right. Now, Pat, before you go, can you tell my audience uh, how to follow you online and, and how to check out the, the show Three Man Front? That's where I go for all my Alabama and Auburn news that ESPN national people break. Uh, they break the news a couple of days after you guys already broke it. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, yes, you can listen to us, me and Lance from Roberts, Conrad Van Order, Molly Robinson. we got a great show, fun show, 10 to 2 every day. You can go to jocksfm.com, listen daily. You can follow me on Twitter at Pat Smith Radio. I try to put out some fun things. Not as humorous as you and Cousin Shane, but I try. I try to do what I can. Is, is Shane okay? I've seen he's been walking a lot lately. Is he good? He's, he is not okay. I'll, I'll just be honest with you. He is struggling today after that 13-mile consecutive. That 13-mile. I we I th- I was tried to cheat it. I tried to think of ways I could, and he said no. I'm doing it, and I hey. good for him. Yeah, he it was a sight to be behold. You know, and, and I can give you a little behind the scenes little, little talk. And next time you're on Feinbaum, you can bring this up. So yeah. you know, Feinbaum had a bet years ago, and he made the statement that if Auburn beat Alabama, this is during Pat Dodd's regime. He said, you know, I will drive a tractor from Birmingham, Alabama, to Auburn, Alabama. You know, if Auburn beats Alabama, well, Auburn beat Alabama, and so the way Paul got around it is that. Paul drove to Auburn in his car, then got on a tractor right outside Jordan-Hare Stadium and then rode in for the photo op with Coach Pat Dye. So I didn't know if Cousin Shane actually did the 13 or you got a video of him starting and then at 13, he's all, you know, you spritz him with water and then all of a sudden, you know, he's, oh, 13 miles. So good for Cousin Shane. No, it was legit. So I I do appreciate the kind words and uh, I'll tell Cousin Shane you say hello. Uh, please do, Mike. Any, my pleasure, brother. Anytime. Man, what a what a legend Pat is. You know, I mean, great stuff from him, and uh, always have a good time with him. Uh, you know, and I got to meet him for the first time at Media Days. Really cool guy. Yeah, a lot of stories. I mean, this guy has seen has seen it all. You know, so <laughs> I really appreciate that interview. And he. 